Sets and Reps is a podcast about wellness and growth insights from coaches and creatives who practice discipline and consistency towards goals. You can find the show on Spotify, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Audible, and various other places where podcasts can be heard. Dr. Michelle May created the Am I Hungry training program to help people who are bound by diets heal their relationship with food. She helps people become more mindful and start making better habits. And she helps people ask questions and begin to internalize things when it comes to how they treat what's in front of them on their plate specifically. This is Michelle's set. And Michelle knows that you can't get results without putting in the reps. Here's how she puts in the reps. For me, the aha really came after I was already in my medical practice and I realized it wasn't just me that was doing this. And then I had my own two young children and realized that they did not do this at all. They ate very instinctively. They had no hangups about food. And that's when I just realized, wow, we are teaching people the wrong thing. Mm. What we need to be doing is going back to our natural roots and managing our eating without so much obsession. I've actually been doing this work now for 22 years. One of the things that changed 10 years ago or so is I became a weight neutral or weight inclusive program. We're not promoting this in order to lose weight or change your body. We know that this can help everybody, no matter what your size is, even if your size changes or doesn't change, discovering freedom and the ability to be the expert in yourself is an incredible place to be. Dr. Michelle May created the Am I Hungry training programs to help people become more mindful about their eating habits. She discovered a way to help you become the expert in yourself so that you can live a vibrant life without dieting. Michelle can help you learn how to heal your relationship with food. We're all born with the instinctive ability to know when we need fuel, right? Like that's a, that's a fundamental signal that our body gives us to tell us that we need to eat. The challenge for many of us is we either ignore that signal or we've forgotten to pay attention to it and or we've learned all kinds of other reasons for eating. Mm -hmm. So examples of head hunger, which would not be physical signs that we need food, might be the time of day. So maybe it's lunch o'clock, right? Like you're, mm -hmm. you're thinking, oh, it's time for this. Or maybe you eat on a schedule. Uh, maybe the sight of food, which is, of course, is why they spend billions of dollars marketing food to us is because we're very food suggestible, right? Yeah. And of course, things uh, beyond that, even physical pain or thirst or fatigue can trigger us to want to eat. And then there's the whole realm of emotional triggers for eating. So sadness, boredom, stress. And then the other end of the spectrum, even celebration and joy and love. I mean, really, I think we eat for all kinds of reasons that may or may not have anything to do with what our body actually needs. And there is nothing wrong with that. That is part of our human connection to food and eating. So what I want to avoid doing is demonizing eating when you're not hungry. Because if we do that, then we're right back to another restrictive plan where somebody's telling you, oh, you shouldn't eat unless you're absolutely hungry. Mm -hmm. Instead, if your primary driver for eating is hunger, 
then the advantage to that is when you're not hungry and you notice that you feel like eating, you can eat if you want to. And you also have the opportunity to say, well, now why do I want to eat? What's going on here? And when you notice that, it gives you the chance to meet that need even better. Maybe something as simple as having a little bit of water instead of eating because you're thirsty or taking a break from your computer because you, you want to, you've been there for four hours straight without, you know, without getting up. And now it's time to get up and stretch your legs. So I don't, I don't want to make, I don't want to make other reasons for eating wrong or bad. Mm -hmm. It's just that it, when we get into more of a balance, it feels a lot better in our physical and emotional body. If you feel in control some days with the way that you eat and out of control other days, you may be in what is called the eat, repent, repeat cycle. Michelle's programs helps us learn how to get out of this cycle and change our mindset. Somebody has this new diet plan or these rules or healthy eating, and they, they give you these kind of guidelines that you're supposed to follow. So what happens is a lot of people spend a lot of time trying to stay in control and follow the rules perfectly. And then when they can't do it anymore, or when they're, you know, stress shows up or they're feeling really deprived and they start having cravings, they may swing to the opposite direction and feel out of control. So this in control, out of control, in control, out of control, it's something I call the eat, repent, repeat cycle. Mm. And what we're trying to do through our programs and our training programs for health and wellness professionals is change the model so that it's really about being in charge. So instead of these extremes, there's some place in the middle where we're making conscious decisions, mindful decisions about how we're going to feed our body. That might include eating a candy bar if that's what you really want. Mm. And because there's no guilt associated with it, you don't eat three or you don't eat the candy bar and then think, well, I've blown it. I might as well have pizza for dinner and a bag of chips. And then, you know, it doesn't start off this chain reaction because it's just food. I had it and now I'm ready to go do something else. Taking charge after knowing that you are stuck in the eat, repent, repeat cycle has a lot to do with becoming the expert in yourself. One of the questions I ask my personal training clients is, did you eat breakfast this morning? And Michelle helps me figure out what I can do with a lot of their responses. If you're someone that doesn't like to eat breakfast in the morning, take a listen. Mm. So what about, what about this? Some of my clients uh, will talk about waking up in the morning and not, not feeling hungry. And that's, that's usually a reason for why they don't have that first meal of the day, which to a lot of people, I mean, I believe it's, it's really important to kind of jumpstart your body, get, get the car moving, you know? Um, so what, what's the, what's the best course of action? Um, would it, would it be for them to start questioning maybe why am I not hungry when I wake up in the morning? Yeah, that's a great place to start. So maybe the question is, well, what time did I eat last night? Mm Mm-hmm. You know, maybe, maybe they ate late at night and they just didn't wake up hungry. 
maybe it just takes their body a little while until they wake up. You know, it just, it, it's, it's going to take them a bit to start noticing any physical sensations of hunger. It's also possible that they're suppressing hunger because they're racing around, getting ready for work, getting their kids in the car, slamming down a few cups of coffee, and they aren't aware of their signals of hunger until they actually pause. So I'm on board with the idea of breaking the fast, but I don't think it necessarily needs to be within an hour of getting up. Mm -hmm. I, I prefer to be much more flexible and teach people to slow down, check in, plan for it. So taking something to work with them or taking something to have maybe before, you know, before or after their workout, depending on what they're doing that morning, that kind of thing. Because the irony of it is, Greg, that, you know, back in the old days, it was breakfast is the most important meal of the day. Yeah. And what's one of the most popular forms of dieting these days? Intermittent fasting. Mm -hmm. Don't eat for 14 or 16 or whatever hours. And what that tells me is that there are no hard and fast rules about what we should be doing. And I think you as a trainer and for people who are working with their clients, what we really want to do is teach them how to become the expert in themselves. So they're not following rules, but it's truly an inside out approach where they notice what's going on in their body. They're curious about it. Like you said, if they're not hungry, why am I not hungry? Am mm -hmm. I just not a morning person? Or am I not paying attention? Or did I eat late? And so on. It's like knowing yourself is is the key for this. And I, you know, just building that awareness just by asking those questions, it's perfect. What, how, how much, and where are all the components of the mindful eating cycle? This can help you make decisions with intent when it comes to your eating habits. It seems sort of simple, but it's not easy. If you've been in the habit of using rules to decide when to eat or the opposite extreme where you don't pay attention at all, or most people go back and forth between those extremes, then saying, okay, start to pay attention to your body, start to, you know, da, da, da. There's, they needed more structure. So the mindful eating cycle provides that structure. So for you, you listeners out there, if you can imagine it's a circle, a cycle, and um, it starts at the top at 12 o'clock there with why am I eating in the first place? What's driving my cycle? And as you talked about earlier, this instinctive or natural driver might be the need for fuel. The next decision point is when do I feel like eating? Well, if you're eating because your body needs fuel, then you'll feel like eating whenever you get hungry, whenever you notice those physical symptoms that your body's getting low. It's kind of like checking your fuel gauge before you pull into a gas station. The next decision point after you've decided you're hungry and you're going to eat is what am I going to eat? And that's where you get to decide what kind of fuel, what kind of, uh, of energy, what kind of enjoyment am I going to bring to my meal? The next decision point is how do I eat? In other words, how do I consume the food from the plate or the bag or, you know, the buffet? And then, and, and so am I multitasking? Am I eating slowly? Am I eating secretly? I mean, there's all of these components. The next decision point is how much do I eat? In other words, when do I stop? <laughs> right? Yeah. And so again, we've got to pay attention to our body's satiety. 
And then the last decision point, which turns out to be a really important decision point, is where do I invest the energy that I've consumed? So in the old restrictive diet model, people think of this one as exercise. In other words, I've got to burn off the calories that I've consumed. And they end up using exercise as punishment for eating. And I'm sure with your clients, you know this is happening because they say, this is what they used to say when I was still um, practicing as a physician. They would say, you know, Dr. May, I know I should exercise, but I hate it, right? When yes. you hear should and hate and things like that, when they're talking about exercise, you can be pretty sure that they have had unpleasant experiences and that they may be equating it with earning the right to eat or punishing themselves for eating the wrong thing or too much. And so the way I like to think about where we invest our energy is absolutely physical movement, mm. but also how am I caring for my body, my spirit, my heart? Like, what am I doing to, to use my energy for my optimal well-being? So it's not just about physical health, but it's really about my whole self. So how can someone take the mindful eating cycle and sort of see where they're at in that um is there a way for them to to score themselves or or some kind of metric for them to follow to see where they they place in this yeah one of the things that i developed early in my work and it's actually being studied at arizona state university right now is something i call the eating cycle assessment you can find it on my website which is amihungry.com it's in the there's a little tab near the top that says free if you click on that, it's one of the first things and you can take it for free. What, what it does is it asks 30 questions that will help you figure out whether your predominant eating style is instinctive. In other words, you, it's primarily driven by your body's needs, whether it is restrictive, in other words, being driven by rules and outside in approach, or whether your predominant cycle is overeating and in that case, it's being driven oftentimes by triggers and reasons other than hunger. Now, the truth is what many people find out, and in, especially the people I work with, is they often have a combination of these, but they may have a predominance of, for example, the overeating cycle. Mm -hmm. And that will give you a really good starting place and some some quantitative measure of how much you're actually able to use your own body's cues of hunger and satiety and how much you may be responding to other reasons for eating. Later, after somebody does one of our workshops or comes to one of my virtual retreats or works with one of, our, the, one of the people that I've trained, they can come back and take that eating cycle assessment again and see how things have changed. I like that. So it you shows that like even just after going to one of your seminars and hearing you speak, it's like just opens up a whole new world for them kind of thing. You might be someone that is being held down by restrictive eating. If so, the Am I Hungry program that Michelle created helps you break the hold and thrive. What most people don't seem to know is that restrictive eating even if it's for health reasons, even if your intention is good, restrictive eating can trigger feelings of deprivation and 
eventually cravings. And that often leads people right back into overeating. So oftentimes when people are doing their very best, then they come to a, a point where they can't do it anymore and they swing all the way in the other direction. And that's not good for people. It's not good for your body. It's not good for your head. It's not good for your self-esteem. And so what we're really trying to find is a completely different way of making decisions about eating. And another thing I saw on your site is like making sustainable change, which, which is the opposite of swinging in the other direction. So um, there you go. That's awesome. Yeah. And that's, and that's it. That's what we're, that's what we're in the business for, right? That's what you and I do. We do very different things, but mm -hmm. we're here because ultimately we want to help people find a way to live their lives as vibrantly as possible. If you're obsessed with every bite of food you put in your mouth and every set and rep you do, and you don't have any space in your life to live it fully, then you're missing the point. Mm -hmm. Like the point of all the work that you and I do is to help give people the vitality, the energy, the well-being to go live their real life. Being mindful about anything, not just your nutrition habits, requires that you internally begin to ask questions and process things that are going on. The tricky part is doing this without putting a lot of pressure on yourself. It's about really, it's about using something that was a really painful area of my life and turning it to good, using it in a way that helps other people heal their relationship with food with the intention of creating space for them to live this big, vibrant life they crave, the life that they were promised they would get if they just followed some diet indefinitely, which is impossible. You know, we need to really help people realize that the potential is right here, right now. They have it within them to learn how to listen to their own instinctive cues again. And here's the other beautiful thing about it, Greg, is when they make a mistake, they didn't blow it. They're not off the plan. They might learn something. They might regret a choice they made, but they don't judge themselves. They don't have to feel bad because there was no perfect way to make a decision. It's truly about making a choice, noticing the effects, making another choice, noticing the effects. That's what mindfulness really is, isn't it? Exactly. And so even when they're in the end stages of this and they've actually started to form those natural habits, even if they start to slip again, everyone's, everyone's human, right? So it's just about what's going to be the, the default for them to go back to. Mm -hmm. And, and I would even, I would even suggest that we just drop the word slip because the, that implies that there is a right way to do this. And, you know, I've been, I, as I said, I've been teaching this for almost 22 years I make mistakes. I eat a second portion of something that's really fabulous and then later go, oh boy, I wish I hadn't done that. You know, of course, I sometimes have an extra glass of wine and feel the same way too. You know, we all, as you said, we all make mistakes, but it doesn't mean we blew it. Yeah. So the other analogy I like for this is, you know, being on some kind of a restrictive diet or a restrictive eating plan is like walking on a tightrope, right? You got to be mm. very careful one foot in front of the other. This is like walking on a wide, beautiful path. You've got plenty of, of leeway. There's plenty of room for you to amble back and forth. If you find out that something doesn't work for you, you just come back to what felt good to you. And 
that ultimately I think is much more sustainable. When it comes to including apps to track your calories or the foods that you eat in your daily nutritional habits, there are right ways and wrong ways. Michelle gives a great example and uses that to define those for us. Let me clarify, when I say don't spend your life in the kitchen, <laughs> I'm talking about the food prep and the this. Yeah, My sorry. husband's a professional chef. He does <laughs> spend a lot of time in the kitchen. And so I'm not, there's, I'm not knocking that. that. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm just saying if you're spending all your time thinking about your food, then what's the point if you don't mm -hmm. have time for everything else? You know, um, I think logging food is really tricky. So we have an awareness journal as part of the work that we do, but the awareness is around why am I eating? When am I eating? What do I choose? How do I eat it? How much do I eat? Where do I invest the energy? In other words, how do I feel afterward? So it's truly about awareness. I am not a big fan in this probably comes from my many, many years of, of dieting myself. I'm not a big fan of using a, a log for accountability. Mm -hmm. Like I don't want to be turning my log into somebody else because honestly, we're trying to create experts in themselves. I don't, they're not accountable to me. They are accountable to themselves. So if they're using an awareness journal and they notice that they don't feel well, they've got some information that they can go back and reflect on and say, ah, I see what happened here. This makes sense to me now. Whereas if it's, you know, write everything down, add it up, count, oops, I blew it here. I should make up for it there. Now we're starting to slip into an external method of managing our eating. So it's kind of tricky and, and, and you'll have to, it's, it's, this is probably not a good blanket answer for everybody. Mm -hmm. An athlete who's training for an event or maybe a, a woman or a, a teenager who's, who's an athlete may have difficulty getting enough protein or enough carbs um, and they're having difficulty optimizing their, their performance it could be very helpful to get a log and see what's going on and provide some feedback and that kind of thing. What I just try to avoid is turning eating into a big math problem. I don't want to fall into that mentality of like them being accountable to me. Like that's not, that's not what it's about. And when you said that, it really kind of struck uh, me a little bit because now I'm starting to think like maybe having them log their food so that we can have a conversation about it after I see it during the week. I want that to be benefiting them, but maybe that's not the best thing that we, I think it's, way that I we think it's about intention. Yeah. yeah, I think it's about intention. So if if you let, let me just let me just role model this for a minute. Yeah. So maybe you said to your client, hey, um, you know, you've been complaining that you're not feeling very energetic and you're really tired after your workouts and you know, you're, you're having trouble with your eating in front of the TV at night and that kind of thing. You know, I'm curious about it. And I think it sounds like you're curious about it. Maybe what we could do is have you jot down some of what you're eating or, you know, do the best you can to write down what you're eating so that we can take a look and see. In fact, what I suspect is that just by writing it down, you're going to figure out what's going on here. And I'm happy to answer any questions you might mm. have, 
but please know that this is more about your awareness. It's not about accountability to me. I just want to support you in starting to notice how foods affect you and, and if there's any connection. Actually, here's, here's the real kicker. If there's any connection between what you eat and how you feel or how you feel and what you eat, <laughs> because in my oh. world, that's a big, you know, there's a big connection there. People will choose certain foods for certain moods. And then once they start to realize that connection, that's when the breakthroughs start coming because now they start to notice how they're using food. Does that make sense, Greg? It does make sense. So keeping them as the center of what's going on, continuing to bring it back to them just so, so they know it's not like a, like, oh, I got to do this because he's going to look at it during the week, you know? So yeah. And I can you. honestly tell you, and I can be nothing but honest about this. I used to play games with my diet journals all the time. I mean, people, they want to be, they want to have integrity. They want to tell the truth, <laughs> but, but when they really, really, really want a certain food, they're not going to write it down or they'll write it down in a different format that looks like it's allowed. And so I just, that's why I don't use it yeah. that way is because mm -hmm. I don't want people to feel guilty about the foods that they're eating. I think even when we're, even when our intention is to improve our nutrition, guilt backfires, guilt drives us in the opposite direction. I don't want judgment and guilt to be part of my relationship with them because ultimately they just don't show up anymore. Or mm -hmm. you cultivate a certain clientele for whom this is all, they love it. They love you checking their journal. They want to write everything down. That's one type of client. And there's plenty of people like that out there. But in my world, the majority of people in my estimation are struggling with restrictive rules and really want to be more in charge of their eating themselves. And that's the, those are the people I can really help. So a better, so just to kind of sum up a little bit. So a better approach would be to relate it, keep relating it back to them. And then a specific situation or scenario that they want help with versus mm -hmm. like a blanket mm -hmm. all the time type deal. Absolutely. And okay. you said it at the beginning, it's about asking questions. So tell me, oh, so you feel like you're having problems eating at night. What does this look like? Uh, one of the, one of the people that's in one of my mind fleeting support communities talked about this pattern of, of being good. And I'm using air quotes for those of you who aren't seeing the video being good all day long. And then once she start, started eating in the evening, it was very difficult for her to stop. When we talked about the fact that this being good all day long was actually probably driving this feeling of deprivation at night. And she started allowing more flexibility during the day. The, the desire to binge at night really lessened because she wasn't, it wasn't this pent up energy of, oh, I was so good today and I'm now I'm tired and stressed and all of this. And now I, now I end up overeating foods that I didn't let myself have. I'd much rather people have a little bit of the foods they enjoy when mm -hmm. they really want them than to deprive themselves and then eat a whole bunch of it at once and then not even enjoy it and feel crappy afterward. Social media can promote a lot of images and put a lot of pressure on individuals that are trying to become the best versions of themselves. 
I asked Michelle how I, as the fitness professional and others like me, can play roles in helping make this come to be. How could I, as a fitness professional, start to better shift the mindset from the focus on um, uh, like them seeing other people that look good or active or in shape towards an actual being actually functional, healthy and strong with their body. Um, well, that's exactly what I would say is, you know, look, look, people come in all shapes and side, sizes. Beauty comes in all shapes and sizes. Health comes in all shapes and sizes. I'm on your team. I'm not here to make you look like some Instagram star who we don't know anything about her genetics. We don't even know if she has an eating disorder. We don't know if she's Photoshopping or, you know, posing. We don't know anything about her, but I want to get to know you. And my intention is to learn how to support you with your own health goals and your own wellness goals, because ultimately a win for me would be having you leaving our work together and feeling strong and competent and well and energetic. And I can't measure that on a scale. I can't measure that with a measuring tape. That's an inside out feeling that I'd like you to be able to identify. So let's talk about how you want to feel. And I would emphasize the feel part rather than the, than the number on the scale part. To close our conversation, I asked Michelle, one of the most popular questions. that I've received as a personal trainer or that you just hear in general. It's that question of what should I eat before bed? And we apply the essence of the Am I Hungry training program that has been the basis of this conversation to give a really simple answer to this question. Let's go back to your client who you have said you're gonna have this conversation with them about the challenges that they're having. And mm -hmm. let's say they say, well, you know, one of the things I do is I tend to, you know, eat cookies before I go to bed. Mm. So I would take a little step back and say, okay, I would do it as non-judgmentally as possible. Practice your game face because, you know, none of this, <gasps> that's not helpful, right? Just let them know that, yeah, lots of people eat cookies before bedtime. Let's see if we can figure out what's going on. So what I might do is rather than lecturing them about the consequences of eating cookies before bedtime, I might say to them, okay, let's try a little experiment. I'm going to be seeing you in three days or a week or whatever. 
So between now and then, in the evening, when you feel like having cookies, I want you to do one thing for me, just one thing to help gain some awareness. Ask yourself, am I hungry? Am I actually physically hungry? Because that question, not just the name of my company, but the reason it's the name of my company is because it's a door opener. Now, all of a sudden, your client who's been worried about the cookies now has a whole new way of thinking about this. They go, oh my gosh, no. I mean, I'm getting ready to go to bed and I suddenly want to have, I, no, here, here's what often my clients say. They say, well, no, I, it's like I don't want to go to bed. I'm tired, but I just, it's just so hard to kind of get up and do all the stuff and do all the things. And so I find myself going into the kitchen, grabbing cookies. So if they pause and go, am I hungry? And the answer is, I'm not. I my, yeah. don't have any physical signs of food, but what am I feeling? I'm tired. I need to go to bed. So it's not like, oh, don't eat cookies. They're bad for you. It's, oh, you can eat cookies if you want. You're tired. So the other thing you could do instead is go to bed mm -hmm. and get the sleep that you need. And then tomorrow, if you want cookies, have cookies. But for now see if you can meet that need better. Does it make sense now what I mean by the inside out approach versus the outside in? The outside in is you and me telling them information they should mm. know about eating at night versus right. check it out. What's happening? Why is this happening? Now you've got a, let's say a nurse who's working wonky shifts and maybe bedtime is her time when she's hungry and needs to eat. Maybe it's not ideal for her to go straight to bed, but that's not my business or your business. She's got a schedule she's trying to keep. Mm -hmm. That's a whole different situation. So I just, I really just prefer to, to help people gain awareness of what they're doing and mm -hmm. why. Yeah. And be able to have them apply it to their situation and, and make sure it's not like cookie cutter and yeah, no pun intended, yeah. right? Literally, yeah. <laughs> well, and here's the other here's the other question you can ask is, so you know, does it? How do you feel afterward? You know, if they're waking up with heartburn, or they're having trouble sleeping, or they wake up sluggish, or maybe this is the client who wakes up and they're not hungry in the morning. Mm -hmm. You know, there's all kinds of feedback that they're getting from their own body. The, the beautiful thing about this is that if we can get out of the way and stop being the expert, people really start to learn to trust the expert within. And now we've given them tools that they are going to have for the rest of their lives. And as much as we'd all like to have a client paying us for the rest of our lives, that's not our job. Our job is to help them become independent of us.